Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here for Intersection Worship. I'm Brian, one of the associate pastors, and also like, again, to welcome our folks that are watching online. Uh, we're just glad that you're here as we're wrapping up our series that we've been on this summer, and the series has been on the Old Testament book, Nehemiah. And so we'll be wrapping up that series today, and uh, we've got a lot of good stuff to get into. So let's go ahead and get started with today's passage, which today's passage is coming from Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. You can follow along as the words are on the screen, or if you've got your Bible app or your Bible with you, you can follow along there. So again, it's Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Now on the 24th day of this month, the Israelites were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. Then those of Israelites' descent separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and equities of their ancestors. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for the fourth part of the day. And the other fourth they made confessions and worshipped their Lord. Then Jeshua, Bana, Kandil, Shimna, Buni, Sherbiah, Bani, and Sierra stood on the stairs of the Levites. And cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadiram, Bana, Hashbaniah, Sherberah, Hodiah, Shabana, and Pethiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which exalted above all blessing and praise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This may shock you, okay? I was not born with the gift of cooking. I couldn't cook. I was not a good cook growing up. When I got early married, I could not cook. The best thing that I could do was turn on the oven, throw in a frozen pizza. That's about it. If I set the timer. If I don't set the timer, I burn the pizza. Some folks, though, are born with the gift to cook. You give them a knife, you give them some produce and some meat, and before you know it, they got a... Full course meal prepared with little effort, no recipe cards. That is not me. But the greatest gift to somebody like me are these little meal delivery things. Have y'all tried those yet? You go online, you sign up, and before you know it, once a week, a box is at your front door. And it has only what you need. You don't have to go to the store to shop. And in those boxes are recipe cards for folks like me with pictures and very detailed instructions on how to cook your food. And so we signed up for one of those so I can help with the family dinner, so I can cook a meal that's not just frozen pizza or the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, okay? And so we get this box meal delivered once a week. We unpack it, get the recipe cards, and once, you know, I start to get cooking on them. But what you notice on these things, what you notice, the first step, and I picked up on this because, Larry, again, I wasn't born with the skills to cook. But you know your first step is you got to get all your ingredients out. And then you must wash the produce, right? you got to wash what you're going to cook with, okay? you got to clean it really good. you got to take off the outer shell of things. you got to dice and cut things and prepare the produce. You do the first step before you get into cooking the meats and cooking the pastas and cooking the potatoes and all that other stuff. you got to prepare your produce. That's the first step in cooking a meal, okay? And so when you do this, it makes for a more sanitary but a very wonderful final product, 
if you cook and prepare your ingredients correctly, okay? So now at least I know how to do that. I can follow instructions with pictures, all right? And we can get a decent meal on the nights that I have to cook. But in this series here that we've been going through with Nehemiah, it's kind of preparing us for this final moment that we have. For those of you who are plugging in, I always like to do a quick recap with Nehemiah. But we started out on the second Sunday in June looking at this passage of Nehemiah, the cupbearer of the Persian king, living the good life, being the taste tester, tasting the finest food and the wines of the king. And he was approached by one of his brothers back from Jerusalem, giving him a report on how horrible the conditions were in Jerusalem in the, during the exile. So Nehemiah pleaded with the king, he prayed to the Lord and felt called and got the blessings of the king to go back to his homeland to rebuild it. And when he got there, he noticed he had to rebuild the protective wall around the city because it was in ruins. And it was a challenge. People criticized him there. The local leaders criticized him. They didn't want him rebuilding this wall. They liked the status quo. But despite the challenges, the the wall was rebuilt. And when it was rebuilt, they worshipped and celebrated. They put guards there on the wall to protect it. And now we're at this passage here of chapter 9, this passage here on the 24th day of the month, the Israelites were assembled, but they were fasting. They were in sackcloth, and they had dirt and earth upon their heads. How do we get to this point? Well, in the 8th chapter, we didn't have time to preach on this, but they were still celebrating in the 8th chapter this wall. They were having a grand old time. They had the Feast of the Booths, or the Tabernacle beforehand, where they celebrated God in the 40 days and coming out of the 40 days, they were having a wonderful time. But then in the middle of this, they paused and they decided to separate themselves from the wider community and just those of Israelite descent, okay? And then they decided to put on sackcloth and dirt on their heads and fast. Why would they do that? Why would they go from one extreme and then to the other where they separate themselves And they seem to be in disarray. Well, there's a purpose for this. They were the part of humbling themselves before God. Whenever you read putting sackcloth and putting ashes or dirt on you, it's a time of humbling yourself. Even a time of mourning and reflection. So they went from this celebratory moment to now a time of reflection and humbling themselves with sackcloth and dirt on their heads. Is a humbling attitude towards God. You know, and some individuals may not want to partake in that. Some people want to continue the good times and not have to put on the sackcloth and dirt. But in this moment, the Israelites felt that it was important to do this. And when they did this, they confessed their sins. They confessed their sins. You know, we confess sins because it's not because God doesn't know what we're doing. He knows. We're not giving him any new information when we confess our sins to God. But sins are those moments in our lives where we do things that are a part of what he calls us to do outside of his idea for us. It's where we miss the mark in what we're called to do. And so when we confess our sins, what it shows God is that we acknowledge where we have done something outside of his will. We realize that we have missed the mark. It is more for us to reflect and understand where did we fall short? How did we end up in this condition? 
and confess that to the Lord. Because he knows. But he wants to know that we know. Just like when you discipline a child, you want them to learn the lesson to not do it again, right? And so, just like with us, we have to confess our sins when we acknowledge to God where we have fallen short and outside of His will for our lives. Confession is more for us than for God. And so, when we do this here, it puts us in a position to turn away from those ways. It even says here that they confess the sins of their ancestors. Now, this does not necessarily mean you're bound by your, the sins of your father. No. But what it does is that you are acknowledging the human condition of always falling short and being in sin, which is why we need our Savior, Jesus Christ. It acknowledges that struggle of the fallen man and how we are constantly called to confess and acknowledge where we have fallen short of God's glory. And as we do that, we repent. And that was part of the reason why they had assembled themselves and humbled themselves and confessed their sins to the Lord, and so that they can repent. And repentance is a word that can sometimes feel kind of sharp for some people. A lot of us have these ideas of folks out there on the street evangelizing and say, repent of your sins, turn to God now. Repent is what you do is when you realize that you've fallen short and you turn away from that, but then you realign yourself towards God. It's turning towards God. It's acknowledging God in your life and what He's calling you to do. And so there's a call for us to always do that. Because we have the tendency to fall away. Tendency to get out of alignment. Just like when you drive a car long enough, you're eventually going to have to pay for that alignment on your car, right? Because just throughout your journeys, things may get off course a little bit. And you have to realign. And that is repentance for the human condition. Where we realign ourselves to God. And we have to do that. We have to do that through the help of confession. And so we have these people here. Gathering together, repenting, confessing. And it's usually in those moments that we are preparing ourselves for spiritual growth. Just like you have to wash the produce and cut it up to the purpose of the meal, we have to cleanse ourselves and prepare ourselves for our own spiritual growth with the help of the Holy Spirit. Without that, we're hardened, and it's almost near impossible for the Spirit to get through. We have to break ourselves at times to open up those gaps for the Spirit to fill it in. It's in our brokenness where the Spirit can come and greet us and grow us. And so that's why it's important that we have to prepare ourselves for that moment. Prepare ourselves for growth through confession and repentance and humbling ourselves So that way, when we break, the Spirit can fill us up and we can grow. And so that is what's happening here with these Israelites. They are preparing themselves for what is next. Yes, they had the the festival and celebrated. Yes, they rebuilt the wall. But as we look at today, what's next? How do you prepare for the next thing? Because we are constantly growing Constantly growing to perfect love. So how do we get there? Part of it is routine confession and repentance. Is that reflection on our lives. Of where we've fallen short. In turning back towards God. And allowing the spirit to work within us. And so in this moment here. These 
collected Israelites as they are doing this. Then they began to read the book of the law of the Lord for a fourth part of the day. And then they prayed and worshipped and confessed the other fourth part of the day. That's a half of day of them doing this. It's a half a day of hearing the word of God. Half a day of praying and confessing and worshiping. That's a revival. That's a revival right there. And I know for a lot of us, when I go over 15 minutes, we get a little angsty. All right? These folks did it for a fourth of the day. And then another fourth of the day. As they prepared themselves for spiritual growth in this moment. It would have been easy for them to keep on having the festivals and saying, we did the mission, it's accomplished, the wall is built, let's celebrate, let's celebrate and celebrate, which is all good to celebrate God. But then we always have to keep working on ourselves as well to prepare for what the Spirit is going to call us to do next. And I think right here, this is what it's teaching us in this moment. Because then you have the Levites, the priests. All these Old Testament folks, their Old Testament names come up and they say this prayer. And they say it one after the other, after the other, after the other. Blessed be your glorious name. Stand up, bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Would you be exalted above all blessing and praise. Here they are praying to God. You have to stay in constant prayer in order to grow. As we heard in the children's moment, you've got to have prayer. You've got to have that connection to God. We have to do that. All the time. That's what this passage is showing us here. Is that once we accomplish great things, once we rebuild back, and that's been our focus, is how we're rebuilding back and getting ready for what's next. What do we do? How do we prepare ourselves for that? Because each and every one of us that is here this morning felt the Spirit enough to come to church. Each and every one of us in here is valuable to God. And he has a mission for us, a purpose for us. But yet we have to prepare ourselves to know what that is. As a church, we have to do that. As a church, we have to humble ourselves, give glory to God, turn away from things that keep us distracted that are not what his will is for us, so we can be prepared for what is next. I'm excited to see everybody here. I love seeing this space packed out. It's really wonderful. God is doing great things. But in this moment here, I think we're called to something even deeper. We're called to turn away from things that keep us from Him. Because He has great plans for you individually and for our church here. And so I think we have to use this time wisely. We have to confess the areas where we know that are holding us back. And that is hard. That is hard. And you see in this moment here, there's other stories in Scripture that point to this, to this constant need for repentance and the washing of the sins. Mark chapter 1, John the Baptist walking down the river, proclaiming the good news, preparing the way for Jesus Christ, calling people to repent of their sins baptizing, washing away the sins so they can be prepared and ready for the Messiah. It is a never-ending process that we're called to do. And there's examples throughout Scripture about this exact thing that Nehemiah and them did here at the wall. 
And so that's what I think we need to gain from this. Because without the Holy Spirit, without us being ready for God, we, we only can do so much. We only can do so much. If you continue on and read Nehemiah, he goes back to Persia, to the king. But when he leaves, the people forget their goal. They lose focus again. And things begin to become stagnant in their faith. It's because what we see here in this moment of them confessing and repenting, they stopped doing that. And they became hardened again. And so God sent Nehemiah back to get him back on track. You see, that's the human condition. And we have to be reminded that we are called together as the body of Christ to be in a constant state of confession, repentance, and the willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to fill within us in our broken spaces. You know, we've been building this thing over here for about a month, this, this brick wall to symbolize what's going on. And so the final piece, we didn't have a ministry pe- person come and speak today. But with this, and hopefully what we get out of all this is that without God as being on top in our lives, as being what we're focused to, this will never get finished. Our focus and what we do is God. Our worship, the way we serve, the way we love, the way we pray, it all should be pointed to Him. And He should be on top. That should be what is guiding us in our lives and our, and our driven force is God, Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. And so as we journey through now the fall, as things get back online with our society, as schools start back and everything gets in a new rhythm, may we never forget who and why we do what we do. Let us pray.